you would take your Bible, turn to the book of 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. In just a few moments, we will stand and read verses 12 to 21. You're going, oh, Jeff, that's a lot of verses. It is, but uh, God's word is good today. We will bring to an end chapter 1 of the book of 2 Peter, so I can already tell you now. You can begin to study starting tomorrow for 2 Peter chapter 2 as we finish this today. If you're looking that up in that pew Bible, it's on page 1,395 in the pew Bible. Start by asking you a question. How do you go about remembering things? Some have claimed to tie a string around their finger. You've heard that before, right? But to remind them to do something, that's that old story that people talk about. I think most people just end up someplace with string tied around their finger and not knowing what they put it on there for. Others ask someone close to them to remind them later to do something. Somebody in this room, if not many somebodies, have looked at your family member, your husband or your wife or your child, and said, remind me later to do this. It's one of the ways to help us remember things. I'm a sticky note kind of guy. Yeah, I keep post-it in business probably just by myself. I'll place sticky notes. If you walked with me into my office, you'll see all these sticky notes on my desk. I'm not a calendar guy. I'm a sticky note kind of guy, and I write it all down, and as it's done, I throw it away. Or if it's something I need to take home with me, I put that sticky note in my pocket. If you tell me something today that I need to remember, I will put it on a sticky note, and I'll either put it on my desk or I'll put it in my pocket, and then when I get home, I'll open it up and I'll put that on the mirror or someplace where I will be reminded of it, things that I don't want to forget. Others of you will set reminders on your phone. I know I'll talk to Zach and he'll immediately plug something in his phone. Zach loses his phone, he loses his memory. But if he keeps track of that phone, those reminders will tell him what he needs to do all throughout the week. Have you ever emailed yourself? I have, just to remind yourself to do something, right? Or texted yourself. I've texted me, and then I force myself not to open that text because, you know, some of you, if you got a text that's not open, you just can't stand not to open it. But if you send a text to yourself, don't open it yet. Open it later once you have let it be that reminder that you want it to be. At times, I will unload my thoughts right before I go to bed onto a piece of paper, and I'll put it in the kitchen counter next to my phone. And that way when I get up, because if I go to bed with things on my mind that I'm trying to remember, things that I'm trying not to forget, I won't sleep well. And so I get up and I just jot it all down and I've been known to go to bed, get up and go, oh, there it is. Because you know, when you lay down, all those things you're trying to hold on to all night, they'll pop up into your mind. I write them all down. That way I can lay down without having to think about this. And my favorite way, now this is my favorite way of trying to remember things, but it's not a way that I personally do this. But it's a way that Angela remembers things. She writes on her hand with a pen. She may actually have something written on her hand. Do you have your hand, anything written on your So far, nobody's asked Angela to remember anything. She always has a pen, and I'll come home, and I'll know what kind of day she's got because she'll be marked up all over the place, things she's trying to remember. But she writes on her hand to help her remember to do something. It'll just be a C. I'll go, what's that mean? She said, well, she'll tell me what it is. I just 
Look at her hand just to see what's written on there, see what kind of day she's had. Lots of ink, hard day, right? Do you know the opposite of remembering is forgetting? We get that. So I researched how memories or habits are formed. So just to give you a little brain activity here, you know, your brain simmers with all kinds of activity all the time. Most of it is happening subconsciously. You don't even know what's going on. But different groups of neurons or nerve cells are responsible for different thoughts or perceptions drift in and out of action all the time. Here's a scientific definition for memory. Memory is the reactivation of a specific group of neurons formed from persistent changes in the strength of connections between neurons. What that says is that you did something in the past that created a pathway in your brain. And when you do it again, it'll create a pathway in your brain, and eventually that pathway will become something that's easy for you to remember. It's a lot like when I grew up. My best friend, when I grew up at the time, lived behind us on another street, but you could tell how often we were back and forth to each other's house because there was a pathway and it wore out the ground, the grass there. So we know science how, has a way to do this. But it's a reactivation of specific groups of neurons. Now, how does this happen? There's a technical term called synaptic plasticity. Now, you don't, there's not going to be a science test at the end, but I just want you to know that things are happening in your brain. This term describes the persistent changes in the strength of connections called synapses, in the brain cells. The more you do something, the stronger that connection is. The less you do something, the weaker that connection is. Now that's true whether you're doing good things or bad things. You see, addictive behaviors are really your brain remembering things, but they're remembering the negative things that you've done. So if you're caught up in a an addictive pattern right now, it's because you've created a thought process in your mind that just triggers automatically because it's a memory. And that over time, you can not use that pathway and it'll grow up and go away. Same thing's true with good things. You do good things, you create these pathways of habits and memories in your life. If you stop doing even those good things, eventually the path that's worn and a habit in your life will grow back up. And it'll be something that you don't remember to do. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So as we think about remembering and renewing our mind. Let's, let's stand and read together from 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verses 12 to 21. 2 Peter chapter 1, picking up in verse 12 through the end of the chapter. Peter writes, he says, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. 
For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit." Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open as we're going to walk back through this just for the next few minutes. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first started reading verse 12, I noticed that Peter has this cyclical nature about his writing. Have you noticed that? that He keeps circling back. If you'll notice last week in verse 5, he said, for this very reason, and we took time to go back and just summarize verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, because Peter said, for, that, for this reason, those things I had just talked about, and Peter is reemphasizing that. And note this week in verse 12, for this reason, Peter is attaching verses 5 and 11, which is what we talked about last week, to these verses today. Peter says something, and then reminds you of it and ties it to it, and then says something and then reminds you of it and ties you to it, and then again says something and reminds you of it. And so Peter is creating this pathway, this memory of what you're talking about. And you're going, Jeff, I could probably do what you're getting ready to do because this is our fourth week together. But remember this. This is what we've learned. Through continual thought or teaching of Peter, Peter is said that he is yielded and obedient, a bondservant and an apostle. He's having obtained like precious faith through the righteousness of Jesus, having grace and peace multiplied in the knowledge of Jesus. We've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. We have been given great and precious promises as partakers, remember last week, of his divine nature. We have escaped corruption both now and forever. We can grow in our spiritual maturity. You last remember we talked about goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. We talked about these things. And we can be fruitful. We can have a vision because of what God desires for us to do. And with these things, we cannot stumble. That's a summary of what Peter has said, verses 1 through 11, that in verse 12 he says, for this reason, because of everything else that's just occurred. Peter goes on in verse 12 and he says, for this reason, I will not be negligent. Negligence defined is this. Failing to take proper care in doing something. Failing to take proper care in doing something. Peter recognizes that his bondservant status, his yieldedness, and his apostleship, one being called and sent, is something that must cause him to do something. Peter says if he is to get to where he is and then do nothing in his life, he would define that as being negligent, failing to take proper care in doing something. Peter knows and does not desire to be negligent. He wants to be doing the things that God 
has called him to do. Church, let me ask you, are you actively seeking to help people come to a greater knowledge and relationship with Jesus Christ? Or are you being negligent? Best I can tell, you're either doing something for the kingdom's purposes, or you're not. And to not, based on Peter's definition in Scripture, would be negligent. Let me ask you a different question. Are you doing something, as Peter has described, because of the change that Jesus has wrought in your life? Are you doing something? See, one of the best ways to understand, am I growing? Am I maturing? Am I a child of God? Is take a second and look back at what you do in your life. What you think, what you say, what you do, where you go. Do those things revert back and show, verses 1 through 11, happening in your life. God moving and working and sanctifying you, making you more and more like Jesus. And Peter then defines or, and what he must do to not be negligent. Peter said, because of these things, I will not be negligent, but I will do. Look at what he does. He says, I will remind you always of these things. It's as if Peter says, every Sunday morning when we come in, we're going to be preaching 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And then next week, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Peter says, I will not fail to remind you. Peter said, my doing something is reminding you of what you know. Is reminding you. And there's a recurring theme that Peter has in these verses. Look at verse 13. To stir you up by reminding you. Verse 12, he said, remind you always. Verse 13, to stir you up by reminding you. Verse 15, to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things. Peter, reminder, reminder, reminder. Now let's stop and clarify for just a second. Peter has said that my doing something is reminding you of what God has said, what God has done, what you know, who you are, because of Jesus. I'm going to remind you, remind you, remind you of who you are. Did you know that in order to be reminded of something, you had to first know about it? You can't remind somebody of something that they've never been asked to know to begin with. Does that make sense? I don't write a post-it note that says, go get your hair cut on Monday at 8 a.m. so I don't forget it. I don't do that unless I have first made an appointment for that day. There is this action that comes from Peter saying, remind, 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 that there is a prior knowledge in place. And I think that's important for us to understand. You must first have already known. And Peter goes on in verse 12, talking about these things. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. But look at what else he says in verse 12. Though you know and are established in the present truth. 
Peter is saying, church, I know that you know. But I am still going to remind you, remind you, and remind you. That's what Peter has said so far. You know it. If you and I were to be able to sit down together and talk about what you know about Jesus and about His Word and how your life should be lived, you would know a great deal of things. And we would be able to have that. Peter says, I know you know. Church, do you ever get frustrated when people remind you of things that you already know? Do you? I know this. I know. You've already told me. I know. You know, we don't like being reminded. And if we're not reminded every now and then, you know what we're going to do? Forget. Now, what do you dislike more? Being reminded or forgetting? You know, I've made a post-it note for myself. I reminded myself about getting my hair cut. And then one day I woke up and two days later I'm going, oh man, I'm supposed to get my hair cut on Monday. It was Wednesday. I called her and apologized. Then I went home and I took that sticky note off the mirror that said, don't forget to go get your hair cut on Monday. Reminders are important things to us if we allow them to help us. Have you ever forgotten something that you wish someone would have reminded you about? You see, we have this interesting way of looking at reminders. When we remember it, we think that we don't need to be reminded. And when we forget it, we wish we were reminded. I, I don't even know how to answer our question on that. I mean, you know, we need to be reminded. Peter says, I'm going to remind you, remind you, remind you. Do you know why we need reminding? Because we forget. We forget. And Peter says this, I know you know who you are, what you are, and how you are to do. All the things we've talked about, he said, but I'm going to remind you and remind you and remind you because we are a people who tend to forget. Look at verse 9 from last week. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Do you know it's possible Peter is saying that you could be a saved child of God, but because of the things that you no longer do, the actions that you no longer take, you've become negligent. You have forgotten what Jesus has done for you. Do you know that when you forget what Jesus has done for you, your life is not going to be lived for His honor and for His glory? Peter has just reminded the people that if they do not spiritually mature, continue to daily allow God to remind them, to allow God to move and work in their lives, that they will forget. Verse 8, he says, For if these things are yours and abound, you will be fruitful. If these things are happening in your life, you will be fruitful. But if they're not, you're beginning to die. Failing to remember is the beginning of forgetting. 
Failing to remember is the beginning of forgetting. Peter seems to be really driven by remind, remind, remind. Why? Well, Peter's being reminded of something. Look at what he talks about in verse 13, 14, and 15. He says, as long as I'm in this tent, Peter says, as long as I'm alive, how long am I going to be a reminder to you? As long as I'm alive. But verse 14, Peter says, knowing that I must shortly put off this tent had Jesus had told him. Remember, there was a time when Jesus told Peter, Peter, right now you can come and go as you please, but there will come a time when you will be taken without your control. He is alluding to the fact that, Peter, one day, because of the life that you will live for me, because of the faith that you will have, you will die. You will come to an end. And Peter says, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to remind you. Because I know one day I'm not going to be alive because Jesus told me that. And verse 15 says, a reminder of these things after my decease. Many think that Peter was writing this last letter of his while he was in prison. That Peter knew not just one day I'm going to die, like we all understand, short of the Lord coming back, all of us are going to pass away physically. That's not what Peter's talking about. Peter says, I know that my time is running short. Now, if you know your time is running short, you've got 13 things to say to somebody, but you know you only have time to tell them one thing. Wouldn't you sort through the 13 things and find that thing that was the most important thing that you needed to say? And Peter is going, I know that my time is running short. So let me just remind you. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to remind you of what Jesus has done. I'm going to remind you of the faith that you have. I'm going to remind you of what that faith has caused you to be able to have. I'm going to remind you to stay in the Word. Stay seeking God. Stay, stay, stay. I'm going to remind you. Because that's the greatest thing I can do for you is to remind you. How interesting it is. Look at Peter. Peter in prison, likely, seeing his end coming, is not fretting over his end coming. He's reminding the people to be faithful. He's living his life, not for himself, not concerned about himself, but concerned biblically around encouraging those that are still living to remember to be faithful to live this way. If you recall, last week we talked about these seven characteristics. You know, we've been given faith and grace and peace. And then we talked about these seven things that through maturing in our walk with the Lord, we are to add. And I discussed how those things are probably added in the order that Scripture gives them to us. And we talked last week about how brotherly love is loving someone because of what you have in common. That was number six, and then which was Philadelphia. But then the last one he said add to was love or agape love. And that is the, the love that God has for sinners. The desire to love people because of your differences because they need to come to know Jesus. And Peter gives us this revelation about his sanctification self. 
Peter is now, because of this statement here, he's reached love, agape love status. And interesting, Peter has grown maturity-wise, just like Scripture teaches. And his characteristics are, my life is about over. Let me love you one more time and remind you who you are. Peter's sanctification is nearly complete. And how do we know that? Because God promised that your sanctification will be nearly complete before you pass and are glorified. And so Peter, he gives us this, I used to be the guy who betrayed Jesus. And now through sanctification, through growing, through all of these reminders, he's now the one who is thinking of you when he's writing his last letter. His last statements to you include, remember, remember, remember. What do you want your life to count for? You see, Peter's life's nearing an end. And it's getting ready to count for something. And it's either going to count for Jesus or it's count for the world. That's what Peter's deciding. He says, I want my life to count for Jesus. I want my life to count for Jesus. That's not just true for Peter. We sit here today, and all of us are heading toward a physical passing, unless the Lord comes back. What do you want your life to count for? Jesus or the world? Now, I'll tell you, I've been having lots of conversations over lots of topics, and the world, it's, it's, it's vying for your vote. Right, church? The world says, pick me, pick me, pick me. Through what you watch or where you go or what you do or what you believe, the world is vying for your life. But I need to remind you, if you know Jesus as your Savior, your life is settled. Now you need to begin to remember whose you are and live that way. I need to do the same thing. Peter is reminding us that a life lived for Jesus will look a certain way. He's reminding those that he is writing to, which includes us, church, to make choices that will make your life Jesus first. Now, verse 15, we'll start dashing toward the end here. Verse 15, Peter states that he will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder. These will have to be reminders that will outlive Peter. Do you know Peter says, I can't be your reminder. My life is getting ready to be over. Now, I'm going to be a reminder to you, but I'm going to put in place reminders. And in these next few verses that we've read, Peter puts out what I believe are four reminders that will outlive him that we can hold on to and should if we're going to walk the life Jesus would have us to. In the remainder of our verses, he outlines some of those reminders. In verses 16 to 18, Peter recounts what Matthew 17, verses 1 through 5, shares where he and James and John got to go up with Jesus and experience the transfiguration of Christ. And God speaking, and these verses just recounted that, and, and Peter is sharing in these verses 
as his first reminder, his personal testimony of that event and the impact it had on our lives. Verse 16, he says, For we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter grew in his commitment to Christ as he came to know Jesus more fully. Peter was challenged by God, hearing his voice, seeing Jesus' glory at the transfiguration. He was changed by this event, and it was a leading event in his personal testimony. Your personal testimony is powerful. Amen? It is the greatest testimony and only testimony you have, but it is your greatest kingdom weapon, is you being able to tell the world what Jesus has done in you, for you, and to you. And what you're going to allow him to do because of all of that. Your testimony is powerful. It's interesting. We were out on the disc golf course some days ago, and it's been some days ago because it was getting ready to rain that day, and we were underneath the shelter because the rain was coming down like crazy, and then all of a sudden then lightning started and thunder started, and if you've got any history with Jeff, you understand that when I am outside and lightning starts, everybody moves away from me. And if you're going, I don't understand. Well, in 2007, I was struck by lightning. And so now, my part of my testimony is God used that being struck by lightning to clear my head, to set my heart, to call me into the ministry of 2010, to put me here today in 2023. It's a pretty incredible part of my testimony, and as you've listened to it, it's there. Your testimony is a powerful tool that God has given to you. And I've talked with people in our church family that they go, Man, my testimony is rock bottom to thank you, Jesus. And then I talk to people who go, my testimony is sort of boring. Can I tell you this? Any testimony that includes I was lost, I was saved, is not a boring testimony. That is a miracle. Do you understand? Your testimony of coming to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, regardless of how jagged your ascent was or your fall was it is a miracle and as such peter says i want to remind you my testimony let me share it with you but what he's telling you that is so that you'll understand that your testimony is awesomely powerful and you should be reminded of your testimony and you should Use it. As you remember what God did in your life, as you share what God did in your life, God will use it to impact others. Your testimony. It's a good reminder, Peter says. I'm going to remind you that your testimony is powerful. Verse 19, Peter says this. Number two thing, I think he, he says, we have the prophetic word confirmed. Now, if you're with Peter and you're in the late 60s, probably 67, 68 A.D., perhaps is when Peter's writing this. The only scripture that they have for certain at this time is the Old Testament. And so Peter is talking about, we have the prophetic word confirmed. This is a reminder, church, that the Old Testament, the beginning of the revelation of God, it is important to you. Now, we are a full word church. 
We believe that every word of God's word from in the beginning to even so, come Lord Jesus, is from God. Every bit of it. We will preach Old Testament, we will preach New Testament, and we will see the continuation of the story of God's redemptive plan through every single part of it. The Word of God will be a constant reminder to all who value it and spend time in it and who allow it to become the authority in their lives. Think about this, Romans chapter 15, verse 4. And you have to recognize that this is talking about Old Testament. It says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Peter is saying that Old Testament, that's a reminder of who God is. That's a reminder that He'll use to raise you up so that you know who you are and how you are to live. And it says, it will be that true in your life until what verse 19 says, until the day dawns and the morning star rises. Church, can I tell you, that's when Jesus returns. The Word of God will be that powerful tool in the Old Testament until Jesus returns. God's Word through the Old Testament will always be a great reminder. Look at verse 20 and 21. Peter here begins to speak about what I believe is the New Testament, the Scriptures that were in place already, and the Scriptures that God will deliver. Peter worked hard to obediently capture this letter. He said, I'm not going to be negligent. I will work hard to deliver this. And what the Lord had communicated him in 1 Peter. And most scholars also believe that the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, Mark, the second book in the New Testament, is actually the Gospel of Peter as told to Mark. Because, see, one of the things that the Gospels all have, is they were eyewitnesses or witnesses to eyewitnesses. And Mark was a contemporary of Paul and Barnabas a little bit later on, raised up underneath that, and it was Peter who shared what Mark captured. And so Peter is beginning to lay out but then also look at this. If you have your scripture open, we're in 2 Peter. We're not jumping. Just look at verse chapter 3, verse 15. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this, And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. Peter is also saying, not just is your testimony of what Christ has done in your life powerful, not only is the Old Testament that God has given to us through the prophet times powerful, but he now says what God is saying through men today in that day. Even what Paul is saying, it was seen as Scripture even then. Do you know Paul writes about Peter and Peter writes about Paul? They understand that it was God delivering his revelation to people even in that time. Verse 20 says, The holy men of God spoke as they were moved. Nothing that God revealed to Peter was just for Peter. Nothing that God revealed to Paul was just for Paul. Scripture was granted through these men by the Holy Spirit 
to be able so you can have it today. Old Testament, reminder. New Testament, reminder. These two reminders look like the whole Word of God. And you're going, Jeff, it would have been shorter if you'd have just made that one singular point. Well, but Peter talked about putting both these pieces together. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll value one more than the other. Church, it's all God's revealed Word, inspired Word to us. And then verse 21, the final reminder that I would pull out of this is, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is the great reminder? John chapter 4, verses 25 and 26 says this, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. This is Jesus. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things, and catch this church, bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Peter says, I'm going to be diligent to remind you. But I want to remind you of your testimony. I want to remind you of the Old Testament. I want to remind you of the New Testament. I want to remind you of the power of the Holy Spirit granted unto you. Four great reminders. You know, I'm reminded frequently that life is short and precious and how every day how I live matters. I desire to live a life before the Lord that is a great reminder of what God desires to do in you as well. Now, I don't claim this because I'm special. Listen, I know Jeff. Jesus knows Jeff. God knew Jeff, and that's why he sent Jesus. Jeff is just a sinner saved by grace. But I want to encourage you to do what I'm seeking to do more and more all the time. And that is grow in your relationship with the Lord. You see, I don't claim having any special ability. I just claim to have all of the ability that Peter has told us we get through Jesus. We get faith. We get grace. We get peace. We get to then add to all of these things. We get to, remember, get to versus have to. We get to be reminded, be reminded, be reminded. Peter has reminded us just in this first chapter of this book of what God has given to each of us who claim Jesus as our Savior. And here's the promise that I make to you, the best I can make to you, is that every day, as long as the Lord allows me to be the pastor of First Baptist Church, I'm going to strive to live for Him. And I'm going to remind you and remind you and remind you that you are to live for Him as well. Amen? Church, that's what we should desire together, to remind each other. Now, when I sit down and have membership, as they get ready to come for invitation, as I sit down and have conversations with new members, part of the conversations are we're settling their salvation, we're settling their baptism, we're settling their desire to be a part of this body of believers, which I think are biblical reasons for membership.
And then we get to talk to them about our responsibilities to each other. And one of the things, if you've chatted with me over these nearly 10 years now, the pastor of this church is not special. The pastor of this church is just saved. And the pastor of this church, I believe, is the servant level position, and I seek to lift up people who come to know the Lord. And I tell people this when they join the church. I promise you that I will share with you the truth as I feel it from God's Word in your life, whether that's to affirm or to challenge. But I'm asking you to do one thing. And they go, what is that? You must commit to hold me to the same level of accountability. You come to me. You challenge me. You remind me. You love me as much as I am called to love you. Church, we all need this reminder. Amen? God is good. Today, be reminded of how good he is and of who he desires to make you. Amen?